Ingram Smith and Bud Elliott back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we will thank our title sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. I use it too many times a day and have been ever so fortunate to be able to partner with Louisiana for, I guess, five years now. So fantastic sponsors for us, title sponsors of the Nolcast. And as always, uh, we thank them for their contributions and uh, very much making the Nolcast possible. So, Bud, we're not short on content tonight. We've got an awful lot to talk about. A lot of stuff that we hadn't planned as uh, as recently as 24 hours, but that's what happened. So uh, this is somewhat of a, not necessarily an instant reaction podcast to the events of the day, but we will uh, go our best, try to give an idea as to uh, how things played out, maybe why they did, and uh, where where we go from here. Yeah, so that was uh, an, an interesting morning. I I go to bed fairly early and get up pretty early and uh i saw the stuff uh, go you know go down this morning and uh, i was like well wow, this is going to be a a pretty interesting day and you texted me uh we're, we're not going to not going to be light on content tonight uh however this plays out so let's let's kind of go in order of of what happened and then we'll kind of react to it as things happened right so uh the, i guess the first domino here is what uh, Coach Mike Norvell said uh, in an interview with Deshaun Reed uh, of The Athletic. He used to cover Florida State. Now he's covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, but he's helping them uh, execute their State of the Program series, which is like a thing they do, I think, on, on all of the uh, of all the teams out there. And he'd be the obvious choice to help them with that interview because The Athletic has not hired anybody to cover Florida State. So if you want Florida State coverage in the Athletic, you're not going to really get any uh, at this point. Um, because they don't have anybody like hired to do it, at least not to my knowledge. You should go to Knowles 24-7 and sign up there for great, uh, great FSU content. Uh, but Norvell gave uh, gave the, the following quote uh, to Deshaun, uh, and we'll get into this if you want, but like, a lot of people thought that Deshaun faked all this stuff, and I was like, that's absolutely ridiculous, and for a number of reasons, which we can get into if we have time. But honestly, I don't really feel like dignifying that with a response, but uh, Norvell said to, uh, to Sean for the part of the interview here, he said, quote, uh, we've had a lot of open communication with our team, our players and our coaches. I went back and forth individually with every player this weekend. And that was something that was important to me because this is a heartbreaking time in our country. Uh, you see hate, you see discrimination, you see some of the acts that have occurred. I mean, it is a problem and it is something we, we have to uh, stand together and we have to work to get it fixed. I'll continue to share with our guys, the platform, that they have and the opportunity uh, that is there for them to make a difference, to be an influence and to be able to impact our country in a positive way by the overall mindset and approach of how we treat people and how we respond in situations. I told these guys just how grateful I am to be a part of this journey with them uh, because they are the future. We've got an incredible group of men uh, that I get a chance to work with as players and coaches. I'm honored to have an opportunity to help make a difference. That's something that we definitely have talked about in a big picture team approach, but also more specifically, the individual and group conversations. We're trying to meet our guys at, at their need and be able to share some of the emotions that we're all going through. So on its face, I don't really see anything wrong with that statement. Now, I, I do think that it's not a good, it's not a great statement, right? It's it's a little bit long, but it's not terrible. He would do, I think he'd do a lot better and would be better served for recruiting purposes and also just for, you know, kind of cultural purposes. If he actually mentioned the word black or African-American here and specifically addressed like the problems that that specific community is going through, you know, but it's not a bad statement as long as it's true. But unfortunately, it's not true. And we found out that that, you know, 
pretty quickly, uh, just just what a, a day later, I think, uh, as last night, Marvin Wilson uh, went off on Norvell because look, I'm not saying that it was an intentional lie, but but it was certainly a lie, right? And and the the key thing here that that, that set off Marvin Wilson, who's the team leader, uh, who I think was you know speaking for the team, uh, was was really in the opening of the statement. Quote, I went back and forth individually with every player this weekend. That's simply not true. That that did not happen. And so Marvin Wilson called him out on it. He said, hey, and, and he said, man, this pile of crap did not happen, man. We got a generated text that was sent to everybody. Like, you know, just sort of like, like an automated text. Continuing the reading here. There was no one-on-one talk between us and coach. This is a lie. And me and my teammates as a whole are outraged. And we will not be working out until further notice, uh, 100 symbol, and then hashtag Huncho out. And you know, Marvin obviously goes by Huncho on social media. So at this point, I had a couple thoughts. I'll, I'll hit you with this question first. Did, did you think this was going to turn into something really bad after seeing that and seeing how much it blew up on, on social media? So I saw Marvin's tweet uh, almost instantly. And it was one of those things where as soon as I saw the tweet, I clicked the profile and I hope I was going to open up a Twitter profile that had like 179 followers or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, and then I, and then I realized, no, this is legitimate. This is not a joke. Um, and yeah, between the, between the hours of 1230 and two o'clock in the morning, I had basically every horrible situation in my head, uh, run through my head. I, I did not ever think he was going to be fired because, Florida State just fired a coach that it, it, from a financial standpoint, didn't want to. Certainly, we've seen some some rebound in the equity markets and stuff like that, but there's still overall a lot of economic out- uncertainty out there. Friends of mine who who just paid for a buyout six months ago aren't going to uh, then turn around and, and cough up another check for a coach who had, had never played a game. I did worry, just to be perfectly honest with you, I had real concerns that the head coach had been turned into a lame duck before the first game had ever played. I was not necessarily the same sentiment about being a lame duck, but I, I thought that very possibly um, us speaking as from the perspective of the fan base was going to go ahead and go through our Virginia Tech moment in June um, before we ever played a game. Every bad idea ran through my mind. Yeah, so I, I was kind of in the same way. I, and I don't know if I want to go quite as far as lame duck, uh, but I, I totally understand why you did. And my concern really was that, like Marvin speaks for the team, right? And I was really concerned that he was going to lose the team very early in his tenure. But even with that, I, I still gave him the benefit of the doubt uh, and didn't say anything on social until I could find out you know, a, a little bit more about the situation. I, I, I got up at like six. I sent a couple texts to some people w- w- within the program and uh, I had a big pile of edits I had to do. And then I went to the gym and then we had a, a you know editorial meeting. And I was like, all right, you know, by, by that point, we, we should we should hear something. Right. And by that time, time we did. Um, you know, we, we, we saw they had a team meeting and whatnot. But the, the main reason why I gave them the benefit of the doubt is that I... I just don't think, just knowing from what I know, I know about Mike Morvell, and he can get preachy sometimes, right, in, in his press conferences, and, and, and I think he can get carried away sometimes in his press conferences, and, and he's a really passionate guy. And I'm not saying he's incapable of lying, 
But I do think that most likely, like I thought, okay, this is either a slight embellishment or he misspoke. Probably. I th- that's most likely what happened. I don't think Mike Norvell is dumb enough to purposefully claim that, hey, I, I spoke with every single player you know, a, a, about this one-on-one and we had back and forth every single player. My, most likely, I thought he probably just caught up, you know, got caught up in speaking. And I thought that would come out and you, know, you and I texted about that. And indeed, it, it looks like that's what happened. So the text, we're going to jump ahead a little bit of this, but the text of what uh, Mike Norvell sort of auto-texted everybody. Now, they did use some kind of form, it looks like, to, uh, you know, send it, like, to make sure the player's name was inserted. But what Norvella texted everybody on Saturday was this. Good evening, player name. I wanted to shoot you a short message. Sorry, I can't send video because I'm driving. I wanted to let you uh, know that Maria, who's his wife, and I are praying for uh, every coach and player as well as our country. Uh, for all those that have been victims of hateful actions, discrimination, prejudice, and disrespect, we lift them up in our thoughts and seek justice. We live in an unfair and volatile world, but I want you to know that you were loved and counted on to make a difference for our country's future. I know there's anger and strong feelings that come with each day and every experience, but please know better days are ahead because of you, all caps you. Be safe, and please always know we are here for you as coaches and staff if you ever need to talk. You have a tremendous platform as members of our Noel family. Let's be different and let our actions be heard in service, sacrifice, and respect. Thank you for the opportunity to coach you uh, and stand by your side. I can't wait to see you tomorrow night in the Zoom meeting, which would have been Sunday night. That's a pretty solid message to send to people. Let, let them know you're open to talk. I have reason to believe that players did reach out to Mike Norvell, and, and some did you know, speak with him and the coaching staff about their feelings, about a, a really you know, tumultuous time in our country that, that affects the black community, which is where, I mean, damn near every single player on this scholarship roster comes from. But uh, but they end up having a uh, a team meeting. We're going to talk about that in a second, but but I have another topic I want to cover. But first, I do want to thank our friends at Mattis Social and Township. We're really happy that those guys are, are back on their feet. They're back open for business. Really shout out to Knoll Nation for helping them out during during the whole quarantine time and, and keep keeping them afloat, purchasing gift cards, purchasing t-shirts now and getting a lot of takeout meals which it's great food. You should want to get takeout from there, but now the, the opportunity to go dine in or, or if you know if you feel a little more comfortable, go sit on the patio. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, and they're, they're back open uh, with, with some, you know, some occupancy. So very excited to see that. And those guys have helped us out from day one have been great supporters of the show. So let's get back into this. Florida State uh, this morning calls a team meeting. There was some... Uh, reporting that I don't know if it was just totally made up or if it just turned out to not be true uh, eventually, but uh, about the, the kids were going to skip the team meeting. It turns out that's just completely did not happen. And Ingram, it looks like uh, looks like there were some some positives to, to come out of the meeting. And it, it seems like maybe for the first time, the two sides were, were kind of coming together a little bit here. It does. Um, it Again, I was... You know, not expecting nearly this as positive a resolution as had has ultimately appeared to have come out of this. And yeah, there was some chatter that maybe kids weren't going to come, or uh, there was certainly some chatter that there was encouragement uh, by Marvin Wilson, some other ones for everybody to show up. So, uh, 
you know, they, they masked up. They were able to have an in-person meeting. Um, and by all accounts, people said their piece. People said, well, specifically highlighted the frustrations that they had with what was expressed by Norvell. And Norvell owned uh, some of his misstatements and that he should have been more clear uh, about what he said. So by all accounts, and look, we're not, we're not anybody's propaganda arm and we're not here to blow smoke, but by all accounts, it was a, a very honest conversation uh, by uh, a couple different parties involved. And it seemed like all parties left on the same page and, and ready to move forward. So, um, I, you know, we, we don't know exactly what was said. I think we have an idea. And it certainly seems like there was some ownership of, of missteps and uh, misstatements and that people felt comfortable with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it seems like the, the, the meeting was, you know, probably a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't want to say airing of grievances, but but it looks like just some, uh, maybe some plans of action and, and, and some discussion about how uh, the team can heal and how they can help their community uh, become a better place and a more supported place, um, a more equitable place for uh, for everybody. So, I you know ultimately, I I, I guess that's good. It, it's a conversation you could have had without without the obvious misstep. Um, but at the same time, you know it it sometimes missteps. Uh, I don't want to say are necessary, but sometimes it just seems to to work that way. Uh, David Coburn uh, told the uh, board of trustees today during his meeting that uh, the word he got from, from the meeting was that it was very positive, and uh, and th- that it, you know it made him face some uh, some tough questions as well uh, that that uh, he thought were going to lead to a, a more positive thing going forward. So, um, players also tweeted support uh, after the meeting. I saw Demory Tate. I saw uh, Kevon Glenn, Amari Gaynor. Uh, and a couple other guys as well. Some some dudes who are are you know relatively respected on the team. Samuel Jr. took to took to IG Live or whatever it was. Yeah, there there seemed to be an awful lot of uh, of a feeling that everybody left on the same page, which was you know would have been hard to extrapolate or guess uh, twelve hours earlier. So good for them. Uh, you're right. You know sometimes these things are. This is not a positive. We're not trying to spin it as a positive. But sometimes um, when people are, are willing to come together and face some harsh truths that you can you can leave as a, you know, leave with a better understanding and, and leave with a, a, a more empathetic understanding of other parties involved. And maybe that's the case. And maybe that's something that continue to, to push the team forward. We'll see. The two people who didn't make statements who I really wanted to hear from after the meeting though, like the two people who took the longest to put out, you know, statements or any kind of additional tweets was Mike Norvell and Marvin Wilson. And, you know, Marvin's a, a player. I don't think he's necessarily under any duty to, to put out a state with Norvell. I, I, uh, I think the statement that he actually made was, was pretty good. And I, I'm, I'm going to read it to you here. I want to kind of get your thoughts. Uh, but, but before I read it, I do want to say, I, I thought it took too long to come out. Right, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a PR genius or anything like that, but like I, I put a statement on the Knowles 24 seven message board, and I said if I was Norvell, I would put this out. And what he said was, you know, pretty similar to what I suggested, except it came I think three or four hours later after I put it out. It's just sometimes this stuff's not that hard. So what Mike said was, uh, I'm proud of Marvin for utilizing his platform to express his reaction to my comments 
in an earlier interview. Last Saturday evening, I sent a text to each player individually to present an opportunity for open communication with me. Many members of our team chose to respond uh, and have more in-depth conversations about issues and feelings. Marvin is right. It was a mistake to use the word every. Particularly at this time, words are important, and I'm sorry. Once again, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I was given to speak to our team more in, more in depth as a result of Marvin being willing to express his feelings. We will continue to communicate and work together to be part of the solution, making our world a better place for all. Uh, so, you know, again, I, it's a pretty fine statement. I just thought it probably should have come out a, a little bit earlier. You could have got it, got a, I don't say totally ahead of the, of the media narrative, um, but the silence certainly allowed the, the narrative to fester you know, for a little bit longer than it had to. Um, I agree. And, and ultimately, uh, Marvin Wilson was not under uh, certainly no formal, uh, requirement for him to make a statement, but, but you knew he was going to have to, or the situation probably wasn't going to be fully cleared until he made a statement. Let me put it that way. Um, so I, um, I can understand where he took, took some time, made sure he wanted to get his mind right and and more or less he wasn't reading from a script but I think he wanted to get an actual plan that he wanted to convey to people um so you're right as soon as that meeting ended as soon as you started to see some supportive uh tweets from players and and uh and maybe even not more importantly but equally important from players parents um, I was optimistic, but I immediately waited to hear from two different people, and, and that's exactly what you talked about. I want to, I don't want to sidetrack us here, but I want to point out, and this can be a good learning experience for Mike Norvell. And I'm not trying to be like a wanker when I say this, but coaching at Florida State and coaching in Memphis are two different things. Um, at Florida State has not had the success on the field that we as a fan base would want over the past couple of years. That's pretty obvious. But as far as a reactionary kind of lightning rod, Florida State's still one of the bigger four or five properties in college football, in my opinion. And um, when it comes to to media people who are of a certain age, you know, look, if you're anywhere between the age of 32 and 55, Florida State isn't just a program. It was the program. And for a lot of these people that run websites, editors, things like that, it just resonates more when you're at Florida State. It's still a massive brand. It's still a massive entity. And um, let this be kind of a first and hopefully op- only reminder to Norvell and this coaching staff that the spotlight is bigger. Uh, you know, the, the team hasn't had the success that it's wanted to. Um, obviously, the win, win-loss record over the past couple of years has been hard for, for all of us to stomach. Uh but when the spotlight gets turned on Florida State, it's as bright as any uh, when it comes to, to college football programs. So, uh, again, not necessarily exactly what we were talking about, just a comment I want to make. And um, why don't we transition more to what, what Marvin had to say and, and the video that he put out on Instagram and Twitter. Coming back around full circle. Uh, yesterday, I took a stand. That was not only for me or FSU football, not even for athletes in general. It's for Big George Floyd black people in general, for our oppression that we've been going through for over 400 years. You know, I want to say shout out to Colin Kaepernick for really being the first athlete I ever saw really take a stand for something that he believed in. And I believe thoroughly that black people has been oppressed for way too long in America. 
know, moving forward, yeah, we, we met as a team today, coming together, and we're going to do three things. One, we're going to be, everybody on the team is going to be registered voters going forward that we're going to have our say-so on this next election. I encourage everybody, every black person, every athlete, every anybody that has a say-so that's willing to vote to go out and vote with help this next election. Two, number two, we're going to move forward and we're going to do different fundraisers and different things like that going forward to help give money to organizations to help send black kids to college because we need we need more more doctors we need more lawyers we need more politicians we need more people with say so of color number three thing number three what we're going to do is we're going to do do more fundraisers and to help uh, kids around Tallahassee you know I, I've been in Tallahassee for four years now and so many schools around Tallahassee is below, below the poverty line bro this is just so many schools, you got some schools that's almost 100% on free lunch. You got kids that got fifth grade kids taking care of their fourth, first and second grade little brother or sister. You know what I'm saying? Going home, they mama out, out working all night long trying to provide to keep the lights on at night. You know what I'm saying? The different things like that. That's, it really ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? As a black man, as me, had to really, really had to see that growing up, that hurt. Going back and seeing different kids go through the same struggles that I had to fight growing up. You know what I'm saying? Just me, being a man of color, I want to be that change. I want to be that guy to go out with all these tattoos on my body. So, I mean, look, that that statement, I, I, I think both what it said, but also you know how it was said, shows a guy who uh, is very passionate. And Marvin Wilson clearly has been struggling with a lot, a lot of the issues that, that, that face you know, our country and his community and wants to to be a change agent and i think he shows that through his volunteer work and 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 through his activism uh and i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i honestly believe that like the reason why marvin took took to twitter at first was so he could get you know the, the results that they got out of that meeting i think that's sort of a awesome secondary benefit to what he like to, to what he tweeted I think he tweeted it out of anger and, and and sort of like, hey, I mean, coach is taking a victory lap PR wise, and this didn't go down like like his quote says it was. Uh, I I don't really believe that that's the reason why he tweeted it. You know, the whole to, to get changed, but good for him for uh, for you know for getting the team to talk about important issues. Pe- people should vote, you know, and they should register to vote, and they they, you know, they should look, look look to support charities. You know, if they believe in those. So I'm real hesitant to put words in a community that I'm not part of. And, and you know, you and I are, are not. Um, so we need to acknowledge that. But I, I do think that, uh, man, you, you can't have a discussion right now and not have it be authentic and, and honest. And I, I think that was Marvin's point. You know, don't don't try to paper over something. Don't speak, uh, you know, euphemistic phrases about something that hasn't happened on an issue that's impacting, uh, you know, people like myself and people who look like myself all over the country. So I don't know. I don't think there was any kind of set agenda. I think what he wanted to have was an open and honest conversation that maybe he thought wasn't had taken place previously, at least to the extent that he wanted. I want to take a moment here to thank our, our friend, Travis Johnson, uh, Travis, longtime supporter of the show. He also happens to be uh, a longtime family law attorney, more than a, more than a decade of experience in the business, uh, one of the top family law attorneys in the state, board certified, Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. For Nolcast listeners, uh, he offers a free consult and flexible rates. You can reach him 
888-435-9919. Again, that's Travis Johnson of the Matter Johnson Law Firm, 850-435-9919. And uh, he'll leave you with this message tonight. He says, look, no one knows how long this current economic situation is going to last. Uh, but if you have a child support or alimony obligation, you need to know that the requirement for you to pay child support does not automatically change when your circumstances change. It is important to seek a court-ordered modification of your child support or alimony payment ASAP as any reduction can only be made retroactive to the time of the filing and not to the time of the change in your income. Again, it's only retroactive to the time of the filing, not to the time that your income changed, even if you expect only a short-term loss of income. And that's our hope for you. If you have a loss of income, we expect that we, we hope that it's short. Uh, we can help you temporarily reduce your support obligation, but you got to file Got to file with a quickness. Call Travis Johnson, 850-435-9919. You may not need that number today. You may need it soon. Who knows? That's why it's important to take it down. So I guess I want to end the Marvin and and, and Norvell discussion with, with this. It, it, I've heard some people ask us, uh, is this a positive? And I know you already said it a minute ago. You, you don't think it is. Can you have something that ends up being productive, but overall is is not a positive? Because if that's possible, I, I think that's where I am with this. I, I think there's some good that can come out of it. It's clearly still a mess up. Would you rather have this not have happened? Yes, to me, clearly. Because don't think for a second this won't be used in negative recruiting and brought up again the next time something negative comes up with the program. And there will be negative things. This, this won't be all, all roses. So no, I, I don't think it's a positive overall, but I think there, there could be some good to come of it. Uh, and, and I think it could be productive. It's an unforced error and we're not going to try to spin it as, as something else. Uh, and it is a, you know, it's, it's something where if anything similar happens, I'm, I'm not necessarily, if there's ever another misrepresentation of, of the truth, uh, then this will be held against him and this will be seen as, as strike one and subsequent strike two. Um, so, you know, no Jimboisms. Don't ever tell us that you practice the Burt Reed play. Uh, don't say stuff like that. Uh, and he's going to have to be, you know, like I said a second ago, cognizant as to the spotlight that he's under. Um, but if if the team was able to come together, if the team was able to express itself and, and feel like uh, the matters that are the most important to them were listened to and, and given more credence and that there was a more honest conversation, then hopefully people can push forward and uh, and have a better understanding of each other. And maybe there's a little bit more of a stronger bond within that group. So uh, the act itself, I'm not going to try to spin to you as a positive. Maybe some of the ancillary um, things that, that come of it, you know, we could look back six months from now and, and see a more you know bonded together locker room. And hey, and hey, look, if nothing else, there's not a doubt in our mind as to who the leader of that program is right now when it comes to the when it comes to the locker room. And it's been a long time since Florida State has had real leadership in a locker room. So uh, that I will say it could be a positive. You know, there's there's a guy who's willing to speak up. There's a guy who's willing to voice his statements uh, or, or voice the thoughts of his teammates. And I think there's a respect level for an individual that hasn't existed in the locker room maybe since Telvin Smith or LaMarcus Jordan were there. So um, I, 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 that is one, one thing that I will note and could potentially be a positive down the road. All right, before we, we continue with, with the conversation, I want to remind everybody that uh, the Nolcast comes to you courtesy 
of Shannon Young and Resolution Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Shannon did my loan. He did my refi. He also did the refi of proud members of the Nolcast, like Tom Pusateri, who we happened to send out some shirts to recently and congratulated him for his new refi and uh, sending out two more shirts today. So I, I think we're closing in on 70 loans and refis uh, that Shannon has done for us now. 844 loan. Take down the number. You'll need it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe the next day. And, uh, and, and get, your, get your loan done through Shannon. Great rates, awesome customer service, and just that personal touch, the guy you can trust for sure. All right, so uh, we were going to cut this into its own show, but I, I think we, we have time to get to some of these listener questions uh, tonight. We don't want this show to be all sort of you know drama-based, obviously. Uh, we, we have to talk about what happened today. Uh, but let's also get to some of these questions. These come courtesy of our Patreon members, and some of the questions that they asked were already answered during the context uh, in the natural flow of the show, but we have some more here. So I'm going to start with this one. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash Nolcast if you want to hit us with a question. And Chris asks, uh, with Alabama now pursuing Altmeyer, do you think that drastically reduces the likelihood FSU gets him? Uh, is he li- If he is a likely decommit now, who are the other options at quarterback? Um, I guess I'll take this one, probably, but I... I Ingram and I should have done a better job of thinking about who reads over these and then who answers them. But Ingram will read the next question. That's fine. I screwed that up. I think I kind of jumped in there. So uh, if you guys didn't see, Alabama did offer quarterback Luke Altmeyer the Florida State commitment out of Mississippi. Altmeyer is a player who I think is pretty good and is obviously all most FSU fans think think all the websites have all their players rated much too low. But uh Altmeyer is one that I actually think a lot of the, the rating services do have uh, too low, including you know my own currently, and we'll we'll see if that changes in the upcoming update. Um, he's kind of that one FSU guy I think they have too low. So, do I think that it drastically reduces the likelihood that Florida State gets Altmeyer? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think it does reduce the likelihood some. Right, you would be a moron. Not to think that an Alabama like Alabama coming in and deciding they they want your quarterback doesn't have any impact, right? It, at the very least, it gives Altmeyer uh, the most attractive secondary option to Florida State that he has had. However, I think drastically reducing the likelihood, uh, I, I think that might be a step too far, uh, simply because Altmeyer does have a fairly long-standing relationship with Mike Norvell because Norvell was was recruiting him when he was at Memphis. And additionally, history has shown us that it is hard to recruit a quality quarterback the year after you sign a five-star QB. And last year, Alabama signed a kid named Bryce Young out of out of uh, modern day. And Bryce Young is one of the most polished, best high school quarterbacks any of us have ever seen at the high school level. And he may start for Alabama as a true freshman. And I can actually tell you that if he starts for Alabama as a true freshman, their national title odds might even go up. So if you're Luke Altbuyer and you sign with Alabama, you're not playing until, what, 2023? It's just not happening. Like, like, like I've seen I've seen Bryce Young. I've seen Luke Altbuyer's film. Altbuyer has 0.0% chance of beating out Bryce Young at Alabama, in my opinion, unless, unless Bryce Young were to get hurt or something. It's just not going to happen. I think playing time probably does factor in here some, and I, I think Florida State has a, a very good chance to hold on 
to Altmaier. And, and with that answer, I think I've kind of cut out, cut the legs out of the, the second half of the question, that, which implies that he's a likely decommit. Um, I, I really haven't heard of any other quarterback options that they're going after uh, right now. So I guess we'll have to see what uh, what happens there. All right, Ingram, uh, this one's for you. So Tom asks, I've heard rumors that if we play the season as scheduled, only season ticket holders would be allowed in. For a school like FSU with, uh, he assumes, a much smaller season ticket holder base, where would that put us compared to like an Alabama or Ohio State as far as butts in the seats? Or would it strictly be based on percentage of capacity? I don't know, guys. And, and I don't, um, Tom, I appreciate your question. And, and I've heard similar. I've heard similar. I've I had somebody uh, in the ACC last week, or maybe it was 10 days ago, tell me that in their opinion, there's going to be an awful lot of co- college football games with twenty to 30,000 people in them. So how the university decides what that number looks like, we'll have to decide. But we're still a, a good bit away from these decisions taking place. The state of Texas has decided what I think half capacity in stadiums uh, starting maybe tomorrow, maybe today even. So that would mean like Texas A&M could have, I think, 54,000 people was the number I saw or something like that. So um, I don't think there's been any decisions, uh, real solid decisions as to how this goes. And um, I don't know that those decisions will come for another month or so. We're going to have to see how this plays out, how this responds. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the social distancing measures that have been suggested for a long time have uh, have kind of gone out the door with people's want to protest for what they've seen around them. And, and we'll have to see if that spurs on a, another significant round of transmission. And, and if it doesn't, then I'm not a doctor, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it's going to be hard to in my opinion, it's going to be hard to tell people that they can't, you know, go to a football game or other things. So I think we're all just going to have to be patient on this and see how it plays out and acknowledge at this point in time, there hasn't been any hard and fast decision as to who or how many of us are going to be able to go and see Florida State play. Can we also like talk about how there's no way in hell they would have a rule nationwide that only season ticket holders allowed in games just due to the, the the obvious fact like different schools have different number of season ticket holders. Like they, it would have to be a percentage capacity thing and would probably be set, I would think, by conferences and maybe by like state and local governments. But but season ticket holders only as a a bright line blanket rule just doesn't make any sense. There, there's no real numerical or logical basis no I, I that would be tough that would be a very tough thing to say it like the first group that i can promise you is going to be let in is the students other than that i think we're all just kind of speculating at this point in time and the reason why they would let students in is because they're watching their same students out there on the field and uh everybody's treated exactly the same undoubtedly right exactly yeah okay uh this one's also for you first. Uh, Wilson says, interestingly enough, I spoke with a friend working in ticketing and marketing at the NCAA this morning. He told me he'd be very surprised if there was a football season. Everything I've heard uh, elsewhere seems to indicate otherwise. I know this is probably a worn out question, but what are you both hearing or seeing that could put some concerns uh, of no football season to rest? You want to go first? I'll let you answer this. I mean, I'd, I I think we're going to have pretty similar answers. Yeah, so here... <laughs> Players are already coming back on campus and and being tested, right? Like that's a major sign that that schools are 
seemingly becoming a little bit more uniform in how they're testing. They are uh, like basically seeing like Alabama today said five players ha- have have the virus, right? Like that's that was the the report, or maybe not Bama said, but the, the report today which was confirmed by multiple outlets, was that five players ha- had the virus. I mean, the more players who kind of get it and get over it, assuming that the antibody idea is, you know, has some legitimacy, that's probably a sign that you're going to have a season. I think the fact that they're all, like, everybody we talk to is planning on having a season and starting the season on time. That's not to say that they're not having backup plans, right? But I'm not getting the vibe from people I talk to that starting the season on time is some sort of pipe dream. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. There could be a secondary spike with all the people suddenly back out in in, in the community. I mean, obviously, Florida, the last two days, has had its worst two days since early April. So probably somewhat related to uh, to a lot more people going back out in the community and and, and not being socially distanced. Yeah, I I think there's there's probably a decent correlation there um, or maybe some causation. But yeah, I, I, just from people I talk to, like they're expecting the season to get played. They're still working on their backup plans just in case, but they, they think it's going to get played in the fall. So I'm real cognizant not to stain y'all's ears with, with soccer talk, but I do think it's worth uh, taking an eye across the Atlantic. Uh, look at the Bundesliga, how they're, they're doing. Uh, the English Premier League's coming back on. La Liga's coming back on. If the Bundesliga is able to, to do what they've been doing for two weeks now and not uh, you know, lead to a, a, a larger spread than I think, uh, I, I, man, I, I don't see Wilson, uh, I certainly appreciate your uh, familiar with who you are and you've been a great supporter of the Noel cast. And, uh, I, I respect your friend's opinion, but I don't see any way that we don't, uh, we don't move forward with a season at this point. So, uh, absent individual universities or something like that, choosing not to partake, but, on a broader scale, I think we're full steam ahead for 2020 college football. For sure. All right. Uh, Frank asks a totally random throwback question. Who would you guys take in a game 2012 FSU or 2014 FSU? 2012 SSU. Very, that, that is who I would take. And Frank, I will tell you, um, Bud and I are continuing to work on our seminal moments and exactly how we break that down. But I will tell you that one of the seminal moments will be if a particular screen pass was caught in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina one night and how that would have impacted uh, the broader season. In my opinion, 2012 is one of the better teams uh, that Florida State's put out there. It obviously didn't have the quarterback uh, that the 13 and 14 team had, but it had a, a really hungry group that uh, if, you put the thir- if you put the 12 team against the 14 team, I would take the 12 team uh, probably seven times out of 10. So... I, it's very hard for me to pick EJ Manuel to beat Jameis Winston, right? And we saw a lot of teams that were good but not great give F, get that FSU team a run and still not win it. But yet, I think the metrics say the 2012 team w- was better, right? I'm just not totally convinced that the metrics, and I almost never buy this this idea that like teams can turn it on when they want to turn it on, you know. But I, in some ways, I do think that 2014 team kind of could because they seemingly did it over and over again. And just because we know how much talent they had on that team and also sort of like the dysfunction slash lack of focus they had on that team at times. So it almost seemed like when they wanted to focus, when they wanted to turn it down, like on, when they had to, 
for the most part, they did. And they ended up getting their blows, you know, their, their doors blown off by Oregon there in the second half. And yet for a large part of that game, they kind of outplayed Oregon. Like even in the you know the lone game they lost. Ironically, if if two of the more transcendent athletes uh, hold on to the ball in Jalen Ramsey and Dalvin Cook, um, yeah, I mean who knows what happens in that Oregon game? And that's something that we've talked about a, a good amount over the history of this. But the 2012 team, I think, was was talented enough certainly to nip the 2014 team in the bud if the 2014 team didn't show up. And I, I have real quick, yeah, I base my my choice of the 2012 team is that. It was just more consistently hungry team, in my opinion, and it had a, a much better overall team dynamic. Now, whether or not you know that transitions to a to a victory, who knows? Uh, it's a good hypothetical. We appreciate the question, and like I said, uh, we've got a couple couple of our Nolcast moments uh, coming up that will that will feature both of those teams. So, more more conversation to come on those two. So yeah, so I included Christian's in here kind of as a humor and only because Christian, man, when you sent this, I saw this, I saw this come in at 1245 last night and I'm like, ah, Christian, I wish I could just get on Patreon and tell you you're being, being ridiculous, but no. Christian wrote, who are we hiring to replace Norvell after tonight? Will we ever get back on track? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> that is pretty good. Oh man, that's uh I, honestly, like I have no idea who I would go get if, if like, I mean, if, if like aliens kidnap Mike Norvell tomorrow, I mean, who do you, who do you go after? I, I, I have no idea, and that's not. Look, I, I love coaching search traffic, and coaching search downloads are awesome, but at the same time, I, I don't really feel like like doing the whole coaching search coverage this this soon after again. I, I really hope Norvell, you know, works out in Tallahassee. The last one here comes from uh, Luke, and Luke says, Hey, this week has me concerned about losing some of my favorite podcasts. No chance we have a Call Her Daddy uh, blow up between you guys when we lose the Nolcast, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke, I appreciate that. Uh, Call Her Daddy, for those that aren't familiar, is a very popular podcast on the uh, Barstool Network, and these two girls uh, started a podcast, were quickly picked up by Bar- uh, Barstool, had... Great success uh, was legitimately one of the more popular podcasts out there, and um, they got real successful. Tried to renegotiate their contracts, that ended up leading to some some feuds between the two, and uh, ultimately, call her daddy does not consist of two people but one. So, uh, for those that aren't familiar, hopefully, my background was uh, at least somewhat of a you know give you a, give you an idea as to what he was referencing. No, man, Bud, Bud and I have been doing this for 10 years. Um, one of the main things of the Caller Daddy dispute was that they didn't have intellectual property. Well, Bud and I own and control every aspect of this podcast. So you can check that box and you don't have to worry about it. Um, not to like get up in my feels real quickly, but I'll tell you like this, in my opinion, the th- there's three different aspects of the null cast that have to exist for this to be successful. And they're all based on relationships. It's the relationship between Bud and I. It's the relationship between us and our sponsors. And it's the relationship between us and you, the listener. Uh, Bud and I are not best friends, but I consider Bud to be an exceptionally good friend of mine uh, that we've known each other as long as we have. And speaking candidly, it would be hard for me to come across somebody that would be a better business partner. So, uh, you know, things change, relationships change, but 
I don't think you have to worry about Bud and I, you know, hiring separate attorneys and start planting stories about each other in the New York Post or anything else. I'm taking Travis on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got out in front of me on that one. Uh, a relationship where our sponsors, honestly, has never been better. And uh, I think we're excited about some people that we're going to be able to work with, but we... Bud and I have turned down more people over the past three months than, than we have in an awful long time. So the sponsorship uh, angle is is very healthy. And our relationship with you, the listeners, is, you know, to an extent, it's been what it has been since day one. And that is, you may not like what, what Bud and I say. You may think that, you know, I'm long-winded or verbose or whatever else, or you may have a problem with Bud. But when you click the Nullcast, I think you know that you're going to hear two people talk about the content that we tell you we're going to talk about. We've never, you know, used this platform to complain about a girlfriend or complain about an experience that we had at the grocery store or whatever else. Um, the, the, and that's the most important thing. The relationship with you, the listeners, what makes everything else possible. And, you know, we'll continue to try to put out as good of a product as we can. But uh, Luke, I appreciate you asking, but I, I, I don't foresee this podcast going anywhere anytime soon. We also don't really have an opportunity to go and make like six or seven times more per show, apparently, like those girls seem to think they can, uh, than we do here. Like, we have really good chemistry here, and like, if we strike out on our own, we're not going to get more money out of it, you know? Like, especially not not multipliers of it. So, uh, yeah, it, that's been an inter- interesting thing, though. I mean, they just, they really capitalized when the market was hot. You know, and to have a, a, a like to capture the, the the female audience in podcast form it at a time when there really weren't many podcasts that did so was was pretty amazing. And then you had decent crossover, too, because you, you actually had a, a good good number of men who listened to the show as well. Uh, but like man, early on, just speaking candidly here, podcast listenership was strongly male remember when like when, when we we were doing like our short shirt orders and for every like 100 shirts we sold to men we would sell like one to to a female listener we're like damn like there's got to be more and we're like oh hey we found our fourth female listener it was just like that but i mean now obviously it's it's a lot more diverse listenership but at, at the time it, it seemed like podcast was really sort of a a, a male dominated audience and they they found a way to get to get um, you know, women to listen a, a lot earlier. No, they did a, they did an impressive job and, you know, we'll have to see what ultimately comes of their podcast. But, uh, for this one, I'll, it's the only one I can speak of. Uh, I don't see anything interrupting this in the, in the near future or really the long term. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be around Luke. All right, buddy. I think that that'll do it for tonight. Really appreciate everybody, uh, helping us out, giving us those nice five-star written reviews on Apple Podcasts. I think actually we're going to hit a pretty good milestone. Uh, let me see here. I looked at this the other day. We're, we're, we're coming up on, on a pretty big round number. We might have to do some kind of celebration show. We we have 3,600. Uh, so that's that's pretty solid. I, I don't know a whole lot of shows out there to have 3,600 uh, reviews. Probably about 3,000 of those are, uh, are five stars. And, you know, if we get to like, 4,000, 
before the season starts, we, we might have to do like a special listener appreciation show because that I, I don't know a whole lot of single team sports podcasts that that, that have 4K uh, <laughs> next to their name there. No, that's that's really wild. So, uh, like I said, everything that's come out of this podcast is because of uh, you, the listener, the support you've given us. Uh, we certainly appreciate it, and uh, we don't we don't anticipate it going anywhere. So, thank you very much. Uh, this has been a an interesting podcast. Uh, hopefully, we were able to to put into words uh, a situation that was very interesting and, and kind of turbulent for a period of time, but seemed to be resolved in a in a positive manner. And you know, we'll uh, we cover the program for ten years, and we'll continue to cover it, whether it be uh, the normal standard things that happen or or kind of that of which is hard to see or otherwise unpredictable but uh that'll be it for tonight and we look forward to talking to you soon this has been the Nolcast. the Nolcast is created and hosted by bud elliott and ingram smith music by judson wright and produced by justin robinson go Knowles. <laughs>